Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Salute. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwei of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwei of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I've got some questions for you. And I, I'm, I'm ready to spend the entire Marin okay. getting answers. Uh, okay? There are four lights. Um. <laughs> I have not seen a single second of the TV show Bosch, the hit television show Bosch. <laughs> and I know you're a huge Bosch head, but to me, like, Bosch exists in a universe where, where like, burn notice exists, where there, there are, like, lots of people who love these shows. Uh-huh. I have no idea what they love so much about them. They're a total mystery to me. I want to lightly push back on the, on the being a Bosch head characterization. Uh-huh. I, I do not watch... How are you not a Bosch head? Look at you. I've watched Bosch. But it's not like a favorite of mine. It's not like my woogie. I'm not going to be sad if you if you drag Bosch. Bosch is not a great show. Are you a little bit embarrassed to be a Bosch head? Is that what this is? I I watched Bosch. I found it to be diverting copaganda. And okay, you know, I enjoy a procedural. I enjoy the procedural elements of any procedural. But I don't care for the, you know, the, the message of Bosch is not good. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Bosch because Titus Welliver is its star. And yeah. Titus Welliver is in this episode of Voyager. And I didn't want to oh, lard really? up. I didn't notice that he was in our <laughs> episode of Voyager with all of this Titus Welliver talk. Yeah, with all the Bosch talk. Because this guy has a face, like as he's aged, Titus Welliver has looked like five different actors. And I, can't understand how that's happened. Yeah, the camera swings past him, and it's a bit of the Adam Scott in First Contact situation where you're like, wait a second, was that? Yeah. No. <laughs> the giveaway is the voice. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, does Titus Welliver have, have a great set of pipes. This is the work I do. He's got a good voice on him. He also has that kind of like Jesus impressionist painting eyes. Mm-hmm situation that that seemed to be like very deeply set and following you around even though oh, like, they make you feel watched you're saying he looks like potato jesus yeah <laughs> yeah he he kind of bumps me in this episode like i can't really concentrate on the story without observing just how much eye oxygen titus welliver takes in every scene that he's in i i like i'm locked onto him the whole time He's definitely one of the most appealing parts of Bosch. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen a moment of it. I know, I know Lance Reddick is in it. How could he not be the most appealing part? The late great. RSVP. Lance Reddick is in Bosch playing Lance Reddick. Uh-huh. A, a character that is almost indistinguishable from the character he played in The Wire. One of the great characters. Love that guy. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Daniels is, is uh, you know, we stand a legend, but... Mm-hmm. I would say that, uh, yeah, like Bosch is the wire methadone on -hmm. a good day. You just wish it was the wire. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Jerry Ryan had a a whole season on Bosch. 
Oh, Annie Wershing is in this show too. Yeah, I was I was pitching that for Greatest Trek Spring Break, but uh, it would have been hard to like pick just one episode. You said uh, all cop shows are bad, and mm-hmm. it ended up getting vetoed. So. <laughs> wow, Titus Welliver, what a career! Yeah, what a career he's turned that face into. He's in Gone Baby Gone. He's in Deadwood. God, he's in the town. I love the town. In the town, he's the sidekick to uh, the guy from Mad Men. Oh, yeah. With the big hog. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Hogg. Yeah. I bet Titus Williver's packing. Do you think? I mean, I'm not saying he's packing like Neeson. People with big hogs always kind of find each other, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, like <laughs> If you were cool in high school, you managed to find other cools in adulthood that you hang out with. You just sort of know based on charisma, right? So you're saying all the other actors in your Takens and your Nonstops and your other latter-day Liam Neeson movies also have monster cranks that are always a little bit leaky? Well, I think we know, yeah, we know of Neeson <laughs> about the big leaky crank. Is, do you think that's the cost of a big crank is the leak? Yeah, maybe it's like it's so big that the like y- urinal sphincters can't keep it contained. Well, if that's the case, why is mine leaking all the time? That is a mystery for the ages. What's the? What do you search to find those? <laughs> CalcoCutPants.com. I think you just you open up a private window. You search big leaky cranks. You search Neeson Calico Cut, and you see where that search takes you. Uh huh. And it takes you to Neeson. Yeah. It takes you to LiamNeeson.com. Yeah. You know Neeson gives. Mm. He's got to give. Everybody gives. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've exercised that need to have a moment with Titus Welliver. Yeah. And now I feel like we can coast through this episode of Voyager with very minimal distraction. It, I'd say the other part of Bosch that is really hard is that Jamie Hector is supposed to be like his beloved sidekick. Mm-hmm. Like there's a season or two where they have static, but like he's supposed to be his number one guy down there at Hollywood Homicide. And Jamie Hector is by far the scariest bad guy in The Wire. Like, mm-hmm. he's so much scarier than almost any other bad guy that The Wire had. Close your eyes. It won't hurt none. He popped up in We Own This City. Did you ever watch that show? No. Should yeah, I? That was, that was a good one, too. Jamie Hector fucking ruled on that show. Jamie Hector's great. It's just hard for me to, like, not be a little bit scared of him, you know? Yeah. He's got a good face. God, all these guys have good faces. I he look, has good face for menace, you know? I'm looking at the IMDb of all these actors, and then I look at myself and our Slack window, and I'm like, <laughs> this face doesn't look good at all. <laughs> I got tabs open for all these great faces, and I got my own tab open. It's just very disappointing. Yeah. Got disappointing tab. <laughs> you going to buy something first? Yeah. You want to see if we got disappointing episode? Sure do, Ben. It's the season finale of season five of Star Trek Voyager. It's episode 25. It's called Equinox Part One. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> I feel like I need to pay a membership to watch this episode, Ben, mm. and a big one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, that's, that's a premium uh, experience, you know? It is, yeah. Everything is, uh, is 
dust-free. Yeah. A lot of bottled water in this episode. Not just a bunch of sweaty dads in cargo shorts on an elliptical. You know, this is a very good-looking episode as it relates to uh, its guest stars. So I think it does sort of feel like an Equinox in that way, huh? It does. Uh, We open on a starship with some fucked-up shields and... This is a different design of ship than we've ever seen, but it definitely has nacelles that look Enterprise E era, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's really not mistakable that this is a Federation starship. Can't be confused with any other kind. And this captain is a real screamer, isn't he? Yeah. Arm yourselves! We've never seen the inside of one of these, so we don't know if they come with all the girders and wires hanging down just right off the dealership lot at Utopia Planitia. This could be like the pre-distressed jeans version of a Federation starship (laughs) is is one that we've not seen before. This could be that. We just, we're going to record later today an episode of the hit Baywatch podcast, The Santa Monica Mountains. And there's a shot in that of Mitch... Buchanan wearing some pre-distressed jeans that I feel like we're going to spend 10 minutes on. Can't wait. And uh, only the friends of DeSoto that support us on a monthly basis at MaximumFun.org slash join are going to get to hear that conversation. But we'll give you this one for free. Yeah, whatever this is, is free. (laughs) Unmistakable face on this captain. The John Savage face. Yeah. Another one of the great faces in all of Hollywood. I feel like it's not a huge leap for a guy whose last name is Savage to be cast as a guy whose last name is Ransom. It really feels like a Biff Yeager type of name here. John Savage, Biff Yeager. Mm. Seems, I mean, seems like a cop movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll see if all Equinox crew are bastards. Uh-huh. I was going to say bad, but that's not what the B stands for, is it? Speaking of voices, the John Savage voice. Drop shield! Oh, boy. Even when it's screaming. God, he's great. You know what, Adam? I'll say I would maybe have a more relaxed political opinion if all cops were Bosch. Hmm. Yeah. That's what we're all here to talk about. <laughs> Savage is also extremely good-looking. Here, like the ship is in pieces, the girders are down, the sparks and the smoke are flying everywhere. He's his uniform, dirty. Yeah. His his hair, must. But he wears it well. But John Savage has a jaw that looks like it's made out of steel. <laughs> the does. camera loves him. Yeah, yeah. I feel like his face is uh, would be like really intense to see in real life. Yeah, <laughs> like fully lit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is why when he's on Voyager later, in the bright lights of Voyager, I can't get comfortable around him. Yeah, I I saw Maggie Gyllenhaal in real life one time at a coffee shop, and I've always thought she was a very beautiful actor, but like you could tell something insane was going on before you even knew she was in the room when she walked Mm -hmm. into this coffee shop. Like the center of gravity shifted and everybody's drink like sloped up against the side of their glass. Yeah. It was totally insane. And I bet John Savage has that effect. John Savage has the Gyllenhaal effect. (laughs) I'm I'm sure he would take that as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. The captain gives a strange order here. He realizes that their shield emitters can't recharge and things are pretty dire. 
They're going to need those shields up against whatever it is that they're fighting at this moment. And so he orders the shields dropped. And as soon as the ship does that, everyone whips them out and starts pointing them skyward. Mm-hmm. And there are these hurls oh. in the air. And out from these hurls, uh, what look like banshees yeah. come out. I thought they kind of looked a little bit like Slimer. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? Like if Slimer got on like a uh, on like one of those miracle pills that the celebrities are taking to lose weight. Mm-hmm. This is what they would look like, maybe. Yeah, this is. <laughs> you know, you never want to comment on on someone else's weight, Ben. So if I saw Slimer and Slimer looked like this, I would just say, uh, "Hope you're doing well. You're looking great." I wouldn't say you're looking thin. Yeah, that, no. That's not good. You don't know what Slimer's dealing with. That's not appropriate. It's not your fucking business. Yeah. Stop looking at Slimer's body. Slimer's eyes are up here. <laughs> when one of these banshees touches a crew person, they are dead. Like, instantly. <laughs> Do, like <laughs> This goes by so fast, but you see the, like, life come out of them in, yeah. this, in this, like, suction-y way. The banshee is lava. You cannot be touched by the Banshee. <laughs> you can't touch the Banshee. This is not like the Banshee of Inisharan, right? Right, no. This is a Banshee with all of its fingers. This Banshee, though, also doesn't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you do like me. I don't. After the theme where in the ass lab where Seven of Nine and Chakotay and Janeway watch a distress call from this ship, the ship being the USS Equinox, and Captain Ransom articulating the danger they're in. And what else are you going to do at this point? They've got a Federation starship in the D-Quad. They set coordinates, and they lay in an intercept course. They get on out there. Yeah. Janeway knows this dude. This is uh, a scientist in whom she held some esteem. He... uh, discovered that a intelligent species that had long been thought to be extinct were in fact still out there, even proving the Borgs wrong. This guy sounds great. He's great at first contact, especially. Yeah. He loves meeting alien life forms. He's the captain of the starship Equinox, and Janeway quickly disabuses Chakotay of any wishful thinking surrounding the Equinox being their rescue because the Equinox is designed for you know, planetary research. It's not a dequad goer as a craft. Yeah. It's like sending a dinghy right. out to Catalina or something. Like That is way too Southern California specific. Uh, we got to think of something else. Like if you look at the scatter plot of Federation Starship's suitedness to the dequad, you've got your Delta Flyer way over here at one end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got your dinghies and your equinoxes way over here at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Ransom does not have a face for dinghy. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Like, if I'm just matching up captains with their ships, this one doesn't look like a good fit. Yeah, he looks like he should be up on a galaxy class or similar, right? Yeah. This is what happens, though, when you go to rent a Federation starship. You think you're getting galaxy class or similar. Right. Oh, yeah, and they're like, hey, so, uh, yeah, your reservation... uh, We have your reservation, but we don't have your car. (laughs) I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. (laughs) Seven wants to meet this guy, which immediately in my mind made me think, oh, this is going to be a romantic interest, isn't it? Definitely not that. Yeah. Do you know what species uh, 
They're talking about when when she says that they like he found this species that was thought to be extinct. Farmer Hoggett played one in Deep Space Nine. They're the ones with their like really wrinkly faces that have like a real bright line down the middle. Oh yeah. They look like scrotums a bit. Good job, Captain Ransom. Yeah, they seem great. (laughs) (laughs) So on the bridge, Voyager comes out of warp and they get the Equinox on screen and the shields are all weird and Janeway hails them. But before she can get any words out, Ransom straight up interrupts her with orders to extend their shields around the Equinox. And Janeway is like, well, ordinarily I would have something to say here, but instead I'm just going to do that. And so they do, and then a bunch of these holes start opening up around the ship, but then they close right away. So you're like, so much in this episode is about that sound, that shrieking sound yeah. of these holes. Do you hear something? And how they make you feel. I hated this sound, so it was very effective. I thought so too. I was, uh, I thought it was really well designed. Every time it starts playing, you're like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Get it away. <laughs> yeah, did not like that, but nothing to worry about here. Uh, all the holes close up. Fissures averted. Uh-huh. They get no one on hails at this point, so it's beam over a rescue team yeah. time to check it out, and they beam over a lot of people. And all over the ship. Yeah. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. We start in the engineering section, we can tell that there's some weird equipment piped into their warp core just by the way the camera pans over to it yeah. and how jerry-rigged it looks. It looks like a uh, a home distillery setup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're making moonshine in the warp core. <laughs> Sounds great. Which wouldn't be the most dangerous thing a Federation crew has done right next to the warp core. Chakotay and Paris are on one of these... Uh, rescue teams and they look around with BLT and they find some mummified Starfleets around. You hate to see this. They look like Eridians a little bit with the way they get all wrinkly. Yeah, they really do. That must be a real nightmare for Captain Ransom. I don't think there's any reusing of these uniforms. No. no. (laughs) They also find a lady who's taken refuge under just an absolute pile of girders. Mm -hmm. Like you love when the girders kind of fall in a yurt structure that you can inhabit for a while. Sure. Yeah. That's good. What are you doing in my yurt? We should all be so lucky. Harry Kim finds a different survivor with a terrifying voice. And Lessing is this person's name. Lessing has subtitle voice. There's something about how injured he is and how softly he speaks where I was like, I can't hear a word this guy's saying. Yeah. He really has the aspect of a guy who stayed at his post. Yeah. He doesn't even know if he has legs. Yeah. That was dark shit. Look at my legs! He said he hasn't felt them for a couple of days, so he's been just down on the floor suffering for a long time. Well, you know if you haven't felt your leg in two days, you have pissed and shit yourself a lot and not known it, right? <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Harry Kim and Seven of Nine for keeping it cool with how bad it must smell in there, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. I love Harry Kim putting Seven on bedside manner patrol. Talk to him, keep him calm. And how ill-suited she is to that. State your name. 
Imagine how bad Harry Kim has to be at that job to be the one to delegate that task to Seven. <laughs> Ensign really knows thyself. Yeah. So they start, you know, digging him out of the, the pile of girders. Neelix in Six Bay actually receives some incoming fire from a real wild-eyed dude, and they have to stun him. Didn't you want to stay with this guy forever? I was like, oh, man, this guy's story is great. They send him over to Six Bay. We never really see him again. Was this the guy from the peanut butter commercial that says, Amber? Excuse me? His face what? looked really familiar to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the- No, peanut- I know. I know. The, oh, but- no, it's a got milk. It's a milk commercial, not a peanut. That's not how you advertise peanut butter. <laughs> this guy is Stephen Dennis, one of the great two first name names. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking through his credits, but I don't see, I don't see Milk Guy, yeah. which should be the name of his credit, right? Boy, he typically wears a lot more loaf than this. Yeah, he's definitely been in other episodes. Look at him. He was, uh, he was Fenim in Think Tank. He was? Yeah. Okay, just look up Aaron Burr Milk commercial and tell me that's not this guy. Oh, fuck. It's Sean Whalen. Sean Whalen. That's a different guy. Yeah, that's not. Directed by Michael Bay. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. That's one of the one of the early bays. One of the great bays. Surprised it's not more explosive. Yeah. <laughs> one of the last great bays. Yeah, he took that Doritos commercial for a ride. Another one of the great commercials. All right. <laughs> Back on topic. On the bridge. Tuvok and Janeway. Enter. They find a couple of people still alive, namely Bosch and Captain Ransom. <laughs> At first, I, I was like, Ransom cannot leave his chair, but it is quickly revealed that he will not leave his captain's chair, and he won't tell Janeway who's been attacking them, only that they've been under siege for weeks. And, oh boy... I really know this feeling a lot. Like Janeway's in there trying to console Captain Ransom. And Captain Ransom initially is very excited to see her. But then when he realizes who she really is, it's a great moment of disappointment. Mm. He's like, oh, we're back on Earth. And, and you're here to rescue me. So it's all good news, right? <laughs> and Janeway is like, actually, things are far worse than is generally known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting, one bit of trivia that we learn here is that the caretaker is responsible for ransom ship being in the dequad. What? Yeah. I thought the caretaker was turned into a little little nugget. Yeah, I got the sense that the Equinox has been here for even longer. Amazing. Yeah. He is uh steadfast that he's gonna stay on his bridge and when he gets this crushing news about uh like we're not here to rescue you. You're you're supposed to be here to rescue us. Captain Ransom's like I've been sitting in my own filth for two days. I think <laughs> I think it would actually be very bad if I stood up right now. Yeah, the smell molecules that would be released are too dangerous for everyone here. <laughs> the system that automatically beams the poops out failed weeks ago. The uniform that covers my groin area. Feels like wet cardboard. <laughs> I've nearly transformed into Bruce McGill. 
<laughs> That's a fun callback. In the mess hall, Captain Ransom and everyone else from the Equinox has changed and taken a shower. Thank God. Yeah. Because you do not want to do a wake stinking of shit. Yeah. Smash cut to funeral is not where I expected this episode to go, but uh, he's kind of eulogizing the folks that died, I guess most recently. Like, they lost a, a ton of crew over the years. They will be missed. It kind of feels like a gang member's funeral because everyone's packing dustbusters. Yeah, like, what's the deal with the open carry at the... <laughs> At the funeral, guys. It's how they would have wanted it. <laughs> I guess this is just a security measure because fissures could open up at any moment. Yeah. Is that what's behind it? That's the understanding. The crew knows about this fissure problem, but we don't really know the extent of it yet. Yeah. The funeral sort of breaks up uh, with, you know, some some notes of, uh, you know, there's hope for the future. Everybody starts to kind of go their separate ways. Janeway kind of puts some teams together to start assessing the damage and fixing up the Equinox. And Bosch is like, hey, I got to go say what's up to my old pal, BLT. I know her. We smashed in college. What a scene. (laughs) What a scene with Bosch and BLT. He wants his sweater back. And this is awkward because BLT uses the sweater for... Both times of the month. (laughs) (laughs) Bosch has maintained a sort of like hypersensitive affect since college, which now that he's a grown adult seems a little weird. Like he's still writing albums and touring about that. But he starts in with her and he says... If you wanted to destroy my sweater... The blue one? All you need to do is go to the D-Quad. Yeah. I mean, if she wanted to break up with this guy, she went to great lengths to do so. <laughs> yeah. It's like going on, uh, on like, uh, you know, foreign exchange to break up with someone and find out that, like, they're also doing a program in Prague. What? You're here? Fuck! <laughs> Imagine how disappointed she had to be when, like, she didn't have it in her to to break up with him directly or, like, give him the letdown. She's like, well, he's never going to follow me to the Mayquees. Mayquees? Yeah. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, Mayquees. Cool. <laughs> and she's like, oh! <laughs> I'm going to have to get myself lost in the D-Quad to shake this guy. Paris is a little shaken up that he has a cutesy nickname for BLT. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato. It was a nickname. Oh, how romantic. He's called out for being jealous, but he's just asking questions. You're saying he's like the Tucker Carlson of jealousy? I am. Yeah. And Uh hey, Harry Kim, while people are just throwing nicknames around, what the fuck is turkey platter? (laughs) What are you even talking about, man? You're bad at nicknames. (laughs) Uh, Whatever you say, turkey platter. Let's continue reviewing the episode. What the fuck was that about? Is he calling him a pussy? No, I mean, Dan Savage says the turkeys are strong. Right. Actually. Yeah. What does John Savage say about the issue, though? We may never know. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Engineer Gilmore is the one that was rescued by Chakotay. 
on the ship. And in a corridor, they chat about what her new duties might be on Voyager, none of which involve pleasing that booty. No. She doesn't want to go back to the Equinox, Ben. She's afraid of it. And Chakotay is fine with that. Her PTSD seems pretty severe. She's not doing well uh, emotionally. And like, I feel like the crew of the Voyager have seen enough shit for it to be a little bit cold that they're not more sensitive to the psychological traumas of these people. Like, like this is typified by the scene where Neelix gets shot at and, you know, stuns the guy and radios to the doctor. Like, we got another one. He's not physically wounded, but mentally he is not in great shape. And it's like, that's a wound too, Neelix. There is that scene where Janeway and Ransom are together and Ransom's like, you know, it was a pretty brutal scene over there. You didn't, you can never understand what I had to do. And Janeway's like, yes, you went through two weeks of hell. And <laughs> <laughs> if you have some time, I'll tell you all about my year of hell. <laughs> And he's like, I didn't want to get into a time span of hell measuring contest. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a full-on breakdown here in the turbo lift that is yeah. pretty scary. And I would have thought that Chakotay would be, like, the crew member of Voyager most sensitive to this. Like, that he'd be, like, falling all over himself to get her into a room with a bindle to, like, work through this stuff. I thought for a moment on the turbo lift it was just the sound of Chakotay trying to hold in a fart, but like a, <laughs> but like the end of a balloon letting out air. Right, right. You hear a banshee scream, and you aren't sure if it's for real or not. But the good thing is, like, if you can hear the fart, you usually can't smell the fart, and vice versa. Oh, is that the rule? Yeah, because the poo, right at the exit, right, it keeps it from vibrating too much, but the air flowing over the poo carries smell with it, but if there's not a poo there, there's a lot more room for the, the skin to flap back and forth. So it makes a big noise, but no poo, no poo smell. Are you trying to tell me that the poop vibrates when you fart? No, the poop limits the vibration. It's like putting a pillow in the back of your bass drum. I'm not sure this is scientifically sound. I'll draw a diagram for you. <laughs> Engineer Gilmore is like, I'm going to take the ladder down to where we're going. And Chakotay is like, cool, as long as I get to go down first. <laughs> That's what she says. In the ass lab, they start to talk about, like, what are we going to do about this ongoing alien attack? Because the Voyager has extended shields around the Equinox, but we're still getting forays by these slimers mm -hmm. every so often. And... Bit by bit, they're going to wear the shields down. So we need to come up with a more sustainable solution. And Bosch, I believe it is, suggests the idea of building a net. And they have some science that they've gotten started on doing this uh, over on their ship. But it's like... Yeah. I've got a Canadian girlfriend, but she's in a compartment that's been flooded with radiation. So... <laughs> You can't meet her. Yeah, she's not coming to the dance. Mm -hmm. She has to go home soon. Yeah. So they're like, ah, oh, like maybe we can try like downloading the drawings of it from the computer. And Captain Ransom like fires that up, but all he gets is the drawing that I'm going to do for you of why a silent fart smells and a noisy fart does not. I really, 
really, really can't wait to see our followers plummet when this is posted to the <laughs> Greatest Trek Instagram. <laughs> no one's going to see it because it's actually going to get it's going to get banned. It's going to get the account banned. You can't post stuff like that. Okay, I'll just you can't post scatological diagrams to Instagram fans. I'm gonna Jackie Aloria to you then. Everybody else can just picture it in their mind. We learn here that these aliens can't survive in their world after more than a couple of seconds. That seems like useful information, right? Right. Doesn't save them from everybody getting uh, desiccated if they attack en masse, but if they can stop the aliens before they attack, then, uh, you know, like the aliens can't do anything. Socially, it's you're probably better off this way because there just isn't time to ask a question you shouldn't ask about their rapid weight loss. Right. It's not appropriate. No. Over on the bridge of the Equinox, Janeway and Ransom are working on downloading these schematics, and they kind of trade some some war stories about some different bad shit that's happened to them in the D-Quad He's referencing aliens that we never even encountered with Voyager. If you're talking to a captain that has allusions toward like real Lord of the Flies shit that he's been through, I think you need to ask follow-up questions, Janeway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's just kind of letting him spool this out on his time. This is the scene where you begin to formulate the hypothesis that Captain Ransom is a dangerous man that maybe cannot be trusted at this exact moment. Because it's like, part of it is about like their command styles. She's like, it's weird that nobody on your crew calls you captain. And he's like, well, when you've been through what we've been through, like decorum and rank stop meaning the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the next question should be like, what specifically? (laughs) That sounds like a very hard two weeks. <laughs> like, I my mind keeps going back to this. Like, this is well, two weeks. They've been doing this, is- this specific adventure for two weeks, but they had their own set of adventures before that, right? Sure, but those adventures were fine compared were- to this. Like, hold, hold on. Stop the show for a second. <laughs> okay. So you're saying since they started dealing... With the Slimers is when they stopped using rank. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking everything went to hell two weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> I guess it's not super clear in the in the script. Yeah. This is one of those episodes that has like seven writer's credits, so. Yeah. It's a writer's salad. Up. I feel like maybe they had something in there and then it like got edited out and they, nobody remembered that it wasn't in the episode anymore. You think this is a great scene where Ransom finds the dedication plaque to his ship. He picks it up and blows it off until you notice that it had been used as a as a bludgeoning weapon <laughs> in one of the corners. Yeah. Is that blood, Captain Ransom? No, it's ketchup. It's delicious. <laughs> he slowly sticks his tongue out to touch it. She's like, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Speaking of ketchup, Ransom yeah. goes down and finds Bosch in the mess hall, and uh, they have a little hushed conversation. And this is the kind of first first reveal that something far more evil is afoot than uh, was previously known. There are compounding factors here. Yeah. One is that there's clearly a conspiracy with Bosch and Captain Ransom, and two, 
he's right up in that nook when they talk about it. This is a nook conspiracy in a way that makes me very uncomfortable. We had a conversation about the Prime Directive, and it seems pretty clear that she, like, actually takes that fairly seriously. (laughs) I mean, give me a fucking break. Sounds like something you'd order at Jamba Juice. What the fuck? They believe the people of Voyager will never understand what they had to go through the last two weeks. And they need to keep these people away from their Canadian girlfriend in the research lab no matter what. Yeah. In the ass lab, the dude that Seven and Harry rescued shows up and explains he's been assigned to help Seven do research on the Slimers. Lessig walks in and and Seven's like, hey, looking good. And Lessig's like, yeah, legs are great. And he like pulls off his pants, Adidas tracksuit style, (laughs) and his legs are just fucking ribbons. Seven's like, (laughs) 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 and he's like, Seven, my eyes are up here. (laughs) She can't take her eyes off those legs. Yeah. Something interrupts Seven's vomiting here. It's the sound of the alien screeches. Yeah. And once they both hear it, they draw their dustbusters. The aliens have changed their tactics, and we smash up to the bridge where we're finding out that lateral shields are offline, and they're like scrambling to reestablish protection. They just get it done in time, like no fissures. Yeah. No fissures. No fissures? It seems like things are going to be fine, right? No. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Adam McLaughlin group. Issue one. Seven shares this new plan they're working on to maybe stop the fissure issue. Yeah. They're talking about this thing that they built. Did you hear my stomach just now? No. Do you hear it now? Does it sound, oh, God. Does it sound like a fissure is about to open? <laughs> it was crazy. I just said that word and my stomach burbled for like 10 straight seconds. Wow. Cut over to Wendy. Wendy's like adding to the diagram There's the silent (laughs) fart There's the noisy fart And then there's the noisy stomach And that's its own whole disgusting schematic She just throws her headphones into the fireplace (laughs) (laughs) You must make sure no one ever listens to the burbles (laughs) Uh, maybe if people are lucky, they'll be able to hear him after the credits. How about new? <laughs> I've got to get that latinum. Put your latinum where your mouth is. I, I've got to get that latinum. Not if you just drunk gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. 
Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So they have this multiphasic chamber that they developed before everything went all the way to hell over on the equinox. And they've been coming up with the idea of like how you could expand this multiphasic chamber into something that could protect the entire ship. And Seven has this idea of a security grid that will just like multiphasic chamber any fissure that opens up before the Slimer can cause any problem. Yeah. And one of the things that causes a problem with the Slimer is like mentioning its weight. Right. It's like... You don't know what the Slimer's going through, okay? Right. And it's just minding its own fucking business going through life. And then like you have to make it about that. And it's like, can I think about anything else ever? Yeah. (laughs) I just want to eat hot dogs and terrorize hotels with my friends. This idea of evacuating the Equinox. I mean, it's a tough moment anytime you have to evacuate an Equinox. Mm. 
Probably a good moment anytime you have to evacuate in an equinox. Right. Those bathrooms have got to be great, right? Oh, I'm sure. Probably yeah. a bunch of single stalls. But like if you're on the elliptical and, and you let a real loud one go, I feel like people would evacuate. You don't go to gyms, do you? <laughs> no one's farting on ellipticals. You know, you don't fart on the elliptical? Sure don't. Seems like a lot of movement to never fart. I'm holding my burbles in. Huh. Ransom does not want to evacuate the Equinox. He wants his ship, and I get it. Once you get a starship, yeah. oh, I would not want to give that up. Janeway should have been like, relax. Picard had the Stargazer and abandoned it to the Ferengi, yeah. and they gave him the D. No, I haven't thought about this for years. Could you separate the saucer of the Equinox? <laughs> oh, Maybe man. that's good enough. I would love to see the battle bridge of the Equinox. Yeah. No, I'm afraid not. Very small. <laughs> Ransom takes so much umbrage with the idea of, of leaving the Equinox that he's pretty direct with his idea of just remaining there. I don't want to force the issue, but I am prepared to return to the Equinox with my crew. When they're at Captain's Heads, Janeway quotes the rule book at him. She's like, look, the ship with the biggest guns has the captain in charge. Yeah. The logic here is we need to you know, confine ourselves to one ship to mount a more effective defense against the Slimers. And it gets right up to the point of Janeway having to directly order him before he's like, yeah. all right, well, uh, I'm not going to make you do that. So uh, I'm a reasonable man. We may not see eye to eye on issues such as the prime directive, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to put you in a more uncomfortable situation than you have to be. This is one of those scenes because Titus Welliver and John Savage are together in a two-shot when they react to Janeway, where I really like the casting of this episode because these two guys just don't have the general softness of a command crew on a Federation starship. And I'd, I'm sure you could articulate that in a better way than me, but like, they look too fucking hard for this job. Yeah, They look like... They look like something else. Yeah. They don't look like Captain and Exo on a Federation ship. Yeah, they have they have a dusting of uh of like mirror universe energy or something. Yeah, they really do. Ransom's like, "All right, I'll take your order, but first I want to go back to my ship and gather my personal belongings." And this seems reasonable. Yeah. Not suspicious at all. Every captain has his trinkets. Yeah. He's no different. So uh, the next scene is in engineering where Bosch is downloading the schematics for this new version of the multiphasic shield generator that they're going to be installing to secure the ship. And BLT catches him in here at a terminal he's not supposed to be using. Same old Max going through my things. Yeah, he's peeping at a terminal. He shouldn't be. Hey, Bosch, how's the peeping? It's such a wild defense for Bosch here. Bosch, in order to cover up his espionage, pivots into making a pass to cover it up. Yeah. Like, this is totally going to be distracting. Me making a pass at a married woman. <laughs> Wait, and she, I, I think she's just dating. I think it was Silver BLT that got married. Oh, right. I just don't want you to get letters. This was, uh, yeah, this is an alternate BLT that got married. Yeah. This is, they're still dating, but still. They're an item. 
Not really an energetic defense by BLT here to this move, don't you think? Yeah, she seems more open to it than she should be, especially when he goes, I'm half the Patak I used to be. Do you think that in Klingon culture, you can have two special people? You know Mm. what I'm saying? (laughs) And it's not cheating? The friends of DeSoto that were sending us uh, snaps from the Star Trek cruise showed us that uh, some people wear their uh, Star Trek badge with an upside-down pineapple on it. So maybe uh, I didn't look closely at what BLT had on her brooch in this scene, but maybe she had one of those. Which is fine. I'm sure at this point in the mission on Voyager, I mean, you've been everywhere twice around by Mm. now. I lasted 22 minutes. Yeah, especially BLT. Yeah. (laughs) She's been everywhere four times around. (laughs) In the mess hall, Chakotay and Kim talk to Gilmore, which is the lady that Chakotay uh, saved from the pile of girders, about the salvage job they need to do on the Equinox. And she really does a forceful job in kind of redirecting them away from anything of value and into whatever shit they have in their storage bays. Yeah, because they're talking about dilithium, and she's like, we don't have any dilithium. (laughs) That is not what you're going to profit from but we do have uh like broke ass holodeck style neural interfaces um we got lots of like toys and gigas that you might enjoy yeah so that's how you kept yourself entertained beats checkers very disappointing to everyone involved i think yeah but something that uh naomi wildman would probably love hearing about she interrupts them to welcome Gilmore to the crew and to demonstrate her precociousness to everyone. And Gilmore seems shocked that there are kids aboard this ship. But uh, fortunately, Naomi Wildman's the only one aboard, and so she's easy to avoid. Yeah. Ensign Gilmore's like, and does she have to murder Slimers too? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Oh, that was close. That was close, Gilmore. Yeah, almost let it out. Captain's assistant walks back out of the episode for the rest of the season. As you were. Ransom hits Gilmore on her comm badge and is like, a meeting of the conspirators is happening on the Equinox if you would like to report to that. (laughs) So she heads that way. And we cut right over to the Equinox bridge where Ransom, Gilmore, Bosch, and Lessig discuss that conspiracy. Here's the plan. They plan to steal the force field generator that they've been working on with the Voyager crew. And then they're going to leave for Earth, ditching Voyager and leaving them defenseless. This is hardcore. Yeah. The issue is that they can't let their horrible secret get out. And if Voyager makes it back to Earth, you know, that's going to be the end for them. Do you think that you would prefer having the knowledge? Because one of the things that makes this scene so crazy to me is like, why are you talking about getting back to Earth? You are so far away from it. That's insane. I wonder if their reasons would have hit differently to know about their propulsion system now in the context of this meeting rather than later. Because I got a little bit bumped. Like, I thought this was crazy, like insane crazy, and not a conspiracy among people who have access to a special technology. Right, because we have learned at this point that their ship can only do warp eight, 
And then right. like part of why they're so far along is that they happened upon a very helpful wormhole at one point. Mm-hmm. But that's all we know. And right. um, I've felt a little bumped by that as well. Don't love this idea of leaving Voyager to be attacked by the Slimers. Not good. Meanwhile, in the ass lab, we get some real fun cross sections of the two ships. Mm-hmm. And they're like Tuvok and Seven are zooming in on different stuff as they boot up this new security system. And Seven discovers that something weird is going on in the lab that has the multiphasic chamber in it, the original device that they're basing their new security system on. And Seven is like, it's so weird because like the radiation should have dissipated in that a long time ago had it like, you know, followed the natural course. But it looks like they opened up EPS conduits in that area to make it extra irradiated for an extra long amount of time. Right. They take this information right to the captain. There is no type of Canadian girlfriend that could survive the onslaught of this radiation for this long. They're like, does Ransom not even have a girlfriend? I want to take a closer look at that lab. This is great. The Voyager crew has a sort of conspiracy of their own. They're not going to tell Ransom what they know at this point. Janeway wants to see what's in this lab, and she knows that the only way to do it is going to be sending the doctor, the only one impervious to this kind of radiation, over there. It made me wonder if they told the other crew about the doctor and his ability to leave the lab. Like, It seems like information that is pretty interesting, but maybe not something that would come up. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a weird thing. But also, like, not something that they would necessarily keep a secret to other Starfleets that they don't mistrust yet early in the episode. Well, it's a good story decision to not have seen the Doctor up until this moment in the episode. Yeah. The first time we do see him is when he materializes in this lab that's full of thermionic radiation. And he immediately finds a dead Slimer in this pod. It's crystallized. Yeah. Crystals! And after some more research, he finds another area where they've glopped up some alien goo and crystallized it. And it seems like they're basically making dilithium out of people. The choice of having the doctor do this inspection is so great because the gag reflex of a doctor has to be extreme. Right. 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 And his reacts to what he's seeing are what teach us how troubling everything he's seeing over there is. Right. Right. He's like on a scale for like the most disgusting. It's like the drawing that Ben was going to make about the about the fart and then the drawing that Wendy made about Adam's disgusting stomach noises. Uh And this is more toward that end of the disgusting scale. Sure. Yeah, I get that. This technology that they unearth here is refining aliens' bodies into a power source that runs the Equinox engine. So you kind of get why the aliens have an axe to grind here. (laughs) I mean, there are bad people on both sides, but you get it. The aliens are pissed. Yeah. So these attacks, like, finally make sense. And they realize that, like, they've got bad people in their midst. And, like, Ransom and Bosch are, 
walking around the hallways of Voyager, like all of our evil plans are falling into place. This is going great for us. And Janeway orders ransom arrested. Captain Janeway wishes to speak with you. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in. Go down with the ship and do it. Do it. In the conference room, in a dark conference room, actually, Janeway gets ransom one-on-one across a table in a really crackling scene here. Yeah. Ransom tries to defend his choices and also explains just generally the ratio of alien bodies to years it'll take to get home fast. And according to Ransom, it'll take 63 of these crispy critters <laughs> to get them home with any sort of alacrity. Yeah. And uh, wow, the story of how they found these guys is so tragic. Like, evidently on their mission, the Equinox had another bad day and some people on a, on a Class M planet took them in at their lowest moment and they introduced them to these Slimers as sort of a reward or something. Maybe it was a religious situation, but yeah. like there was something culturally significant about the introduction. And uh, They're like, crew of the Equinox, join us around the fire. We will summon one of our Slimers and we only ask that you not bring up their body. <laughs> This is the thing. You go and you enjoy a frozen beverage somewhere and you're like, I would like to have a frozen beverage machine at home. (laughs) (laughs) And this is exactly the comparison I'm using here. They see the Slimer with these Ankari and they're like, I want to make Slimers at home. So they get one of these machines there and they start making them. And oh no, (laughs) they kill the first one. (laughs) completely by accident. Right. And in autopsying this thing, they reveal the fuel potential of their birdies. Yeah. These things have uh, tons of nucleonic radiation in them. And they traveled 10,000 light years in less than two weeks on the, on the birdies that they'd collected so far. Yeah. So they can make a Slimer whenever they want using this device and just keep refining them into fuel. Right. But the Slimers fought back. You got slime! Yeah. That's great, Ray. Save some for me. Boy, are they mad. They're so mad. You know who else is mad, Adam, is Janeway. When we cut back from this flashback sequence, she is fucking disgusted. I'm putting an end to your experiments. And you are hereby relieved of your command. She slaps the pips off of his neck. (laughs) Have you ever been slapped in the neck? (laughs) <laughs> Ransom's like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, why are there five of them? Oh, that's just a kernel of corn uh. I love corn Great scene for Janeway Her barely held back anger here And and upon relieving him of command She has all of the Equinox crew Confined to their quarters And, and security perp walks Ransom to his She sends the doctor back to the uh, Equinox to get as much information as he can on these Slimers and see if he can find a way to communicate with them. Because one of the many lies that Ransom has told is that they, you know, haven't been able to communicate with them. They haven't even fucking tried, man. So the doctor heads back over there. Ransom's like, I thought I'd accidentally say something inappropriate. 
Can you blame me? <laughs> I am very bad in social situations. There's coffee in first contact the right way. When Chakotay walks Gilmore to confinement, and just to stop that for a moment, why? <laughs> why does Chakotay have to do this job? Gilmore tells Chakotay that she tries not to think about the atrocities she's done. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. She's like, you know, I, I bet I, that's hard to think about. I do sleep okay at night knowing that the orders didn't come from me. Tell you what, if I'm Chakotay, I'm perp walking Gilmore uh, via turbo lift mm. and not really giving a shit about <laughs> how bad she feels about that. Yeah. But they stop at the ass lab and bully the uh, encryption codes out of her. Like, yeah. all of the secret shit on the Equinox's computer. She has access to because she knows the encryption codes. This could have been a great rough meld scene with Tuvok <laughs> if he were there, right? Yeah. But I th- I'm sure like Beltran was like, listen, if I'm not going to get to do a bindle in this episode, yeah, he's not getting to do a rough meld in this episode. <laughs> you know, that's one of the magazines in the, uh, in the tough part of Vulcan. Oh, you know? yeah. You go to a Vulcan convenience store, you get pick up an issue of Rough Meld. Yeah, it's got the, like, uh, you can see the title of the magazine, but then there's, like, an opaque uh, piece of yeah. plastic in front of it so that you don't see what's on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to see that. No. They get those codes. That's good. Throw her ass in her fucking quarters now that they've extracted what they need from her. Yeah. Back on Equinox, the doctor is pissed about not getting the information he needs from the lab, which requires the Equinox EMH's authorization. And this is interesting, right? You forget all Federation starships have a Robert Picardo. Yeah. And so when we meet this Robert Picardo, we learn right away that he's got a badgie program in him. Yeah. And if you're the good doctor, you've got to shut this down, right? Shut it down! <laughs> You got doctors walking around with ethical subroutines turned off. Turning off ethical subroutines on emergency (laughs) medical holograms can turn them, unfortunately, into evil medical holograms. (laughs) Nice slap, the the bad doctor does. Slaps the emitter right off of the good doctor, and oh no. This is a bad moment. Yeah. Falls right on the floor. And you can't tell them apart. No. Nope. It's not like the evil doctor has like red eyes and fangs or anything. Or it looks just like him. Like tiny pupils like he had in that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> so evil, the evil MH mm, goes mm-hmm. back over to Six Bay. Janeway's like, anyways, doctor, what did you find over there? And he's like, uh, can you, can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> this scene was so fun. Yeah, good stuff. Remind me again of what I was there to do, exactly. Yeah. Let me look in my backpack and see if I did the homework last night. You remember a day at work when when you were just so fucking tired or whatever that you just, like, you didn't have it together enough to answer the question, what are you working on? <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, I'm going to be in the studio. Shooting something. Yeah, um, obviously, I, uh, you know, working on an edit. I'm working on two edits, actually. We're, uh... Two edits. We're over there in the edit bay. 
Yep. He got us working in sheaths. <laughs> oh, no. The aliens are starting to attack, Ben. And you know this because the shields are starting to shimmer. Yeah. They need to turn on that security grid, and they need that intel from the Equinox to do it. The evil MH has, like, put a briefcase together and is uh, is marching down the hallway. He finds... Captain Ransom and crew all locked up together. They didn't separate the bad guys. So uh, his little story about like, oh, they're infected with something contagious, gets the security guys out of there. This is where writer salad becomes most apparent, right? There is no reason for this. (laughs) Right. Like the security like wouldn't trust the doctor to have a reason to go in there. You, you rewind back to Janeway scene with Ransom, and and Ransom's like, "What? You're gonna keep me in my quarters for seventy years?" And Janeway's like, "No, actually, you can start by having a light lunch with the rest of your conspirators <laughs> together. We're going to put two guys on you. <laughs> you are about to have a seventy years from hell <laughs> after lunch." So they break out, and they send two more guys to try and stop them. It also doesn't seem like the right level of response. Yeah. When neither of those two guys is Tuvok, you know your security apparatus has failed. And the fissure party has really kicked into high gear on the ship's shields at this point. This is every parent's worst nightmare, right? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Just teenagers experimenting with their fissures? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, I should have had the fissure conversation a lot earlier. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't look him in the eye and and do it, and now I really regret. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, the Equinox crew beam back over to their ship and start, you know, they beam out the new security shielding system, which Mm -hmm. has been disconnected from Voyager, and there's, like, some elite hacking going back and forth between Bosch and BLT. He gets the better of BLT. BLT goes to the place where they the device was kept, and there's a sweater in its place. <laughs> it's like, bosh. <laughs> he always leaves a sweater behind to mark his territory. <laughs> Fucking asshole. One fissure opens on the bridge of the Equinox, and they don't shoot it. They let the Slimer come out, and the Slimer gets got. Yeah. The security system works. And he's like, we only need to let that happen 62 more times. I like their chances. So does everyone else. Yeah. Like, there's this, what the fuck are you doing? Like, if you keep doing what you're doing, we're all going to die message from Janeway to Ransom. And Ransom would rather die than risk being in jail on Voyager and then at Earth. Yeah. Oof. He can't go back. (laughs) He's never going back. Equinox goes to warp and it leaves Voyager behind to defend itself. And this is quite the cliffhanger because when Janeway is attacked by a Slimer, we get a to-be-continued card. Yeah. That's it. It's like POV of Slimer zeroing in on Janeway to be continued. Janeway's like, I haven't seen you in a long time. You actually look. (laughs) (laughs) She gets desiccated and she's like, I really wish I had accepted that bathtub because it would have taken a lot longer to get totally desiccated. (laughs) 
you go into an interaction with these aliens, like totally pruned up from bath time. Oh, yeah. You can probably hold out a lot longer, right? Yeah, and you got better gription on your dustbuster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that plan, Ben. Did you like this episode? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I did like this episode. I had totally forgotten about this episode. Found it very exciting. And, you know, the thing we always say, like a great two-parter is one that you can't wait to see the exciting conclusion of. And Oh, yeah. Like, I can't wait for summer break to be over so I can see the exciting conclusion. Man. Now is probably a good a time as any to tell Friends of DeSoto we are going to take two and a half months off. <laughs> so, Yeah. I don't think Wendy's going to let that happen. (laughs) No. Wendy's going to tell me how disappointed she is when she puts me back in my cage. (laughs) (laughs) I like this episode, too. I mean, fully dependent on part two, obviously, to either make or break part one. Right. I don't like the prisoners being gathered in the same place. Like, the basic stuff of, like, writing a situation that is convenient for expediting a specific story, but you see this in every episode. Like, that seems like a minor quibble. I do like stories about a person's ethical line, though. And, like, we've gotten bad admiral throughout time immemerium watching Star Mm. Trek, but to see, like, lower-level people compromised in that way with compromised ethics, willing to do whatever, to kill whatever, to accomplish their goal, a goal which is, like, a noble goal... Right. Getting home is good. It's not like they want to murder people for sport. They're willing to do awful things to achieve a good goal. And man, it's ugly stuff if you want to sit in that chair. Really is. Yeah. Really makes you think about what you do Hmm. in similar circumstances, right? Those Slimers are too fun-loving. They seem nice. Like, when we see them on the planet, they seem really nice. They really do. They just wanted to come visit. That's part of it. They're like fucking ghostly Ewoks or something. They're like, hey, look at that guy. This is how you celebrate? This is your after-dinner mint? He's a real cutie pie. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's what makes it so traffic. That's not what makes it so traffic. That is a... That's any interaction with the McElroy. <laughs> That's what makes it so tragic. Yeah, it's really tragic. Well, do you want to see if there's anything less tragic in the Priority One inbox? Oh, yeah. I've opened up the fissure, Ben, and mm. there were a bunch of screeching Priority One messages inside. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. The first one is of a personal nature, and it goes like this. It's from Greg from Toronto. It is to all my hashtag Jim Shimoda's and Peloton FODs. Whoa. That message goes like this. Ben, Adam, and Wendy, thanks for all your awesome work. This message is to incept all the Jim Shimoda's with the second greatest idea in the history of Jim Shimoda. Developing an Elkar skin for the Peloton. Whoa. I assume this would just take a thought from the right FOD to update. All Peloton everywhere. Now the idea is out there. Dang. I didn't know you could do that on Peloton. You can make the interface look different. 
you can't. Oh. Greg from Toronto <laughs> is really talking out their ass, and I would love the idea of, of like a custom Peloton skin, but that just seems, I mean, Greg, what are we talking about here? This is, I guess it's an Android software, so you could probably hack it, it's right? It's got to have skins, right? I uh, went to a wedding one time, and one of the other wedding guests was, like, I think the CEO of Peloton or something like that. Yeah, Pat Peloton. I didn't talk to him, but I talked to his mom, and she was really nice. Maybe I could, like... Patty Peloton. Reach out to the happy couple, see if they'll put me in touch, and uh, see if, like, we can make this happen. I'd love that. It would be great. I am constantly riding with hashtag Jim Shimoda on Peloton. I've, I've picked up the biking again. Yeah, no, I remember you've canceled. Uh, I mean, I think you still owe a Tiki Bar episode over canceling. It's this my show. first priority most days uh, <laughs> over everything else. Yeah, no kidding. Almost like a, it's more important to you than the living that the Friends of DeSoto help you make for recording this show. I know. Doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Hmm. Our next priority one message is from Julie. It's to Ben and Adam. Yes. That's us. Just want to give you guys a shout out for always trying your best to get it right and owning up when you don't. It's so refreshing, especially as a lesbian woman, to find male podcasters who actually give a damn and don't make me cringe in the bad way. The good way is fine. Congrats on being my emotional support, cishet men, and unproblematic faves. Wow. Thank you, Julie. Hey, thanks, Julie. And I know that that definitely applies to everything up until this point. Uh, <laughs> I promise uh, the occasional fuck up in the future and yeah. the the commensurate apology on the heels of that. We're just doing the best we can. Everybody's got their blind spots that they wish they didn't. And uh, I think the better way to be is to... Just accept that you've got your blind spots and uh, treat the learning experiences as learning experiences and not reasons to get all defensive and shitty. Yeah. Yeah, defensive and shitty. No way to be. Take the L and keep doing great work. Take the L. Like this show does on the weekly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you'd like to help us take the W, mm. consider getting a priority one message by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. Uh, what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Man, I think I want to give it to myself. Mm. And I know that's a little bit uh, self-serving in a way. I think it is literally self-serving. But here's why. I spent this entire episode watching and going like BLT. Now did did we come up with that or did we get that from this episode and not realize we got it from this episode? Like where did that come from? Why have we been saying it for time and Miriam? And I would say like I was very like caught up in this episode and very much enjoying it, but if anything was distracting me, it was that. Mm. So it kind of made me feel like a Shimoda. Well, I know for sure I had never seen this episode. So I was very surprised that BLT was canonized as a nickname. Yeah. Were you surprised that Turkey Platter was canonized as a nickname? <laughs> I still am. I can't believe that. <laughs> Real low point for Harry Kim, I think, in the series was him reaching for that. Yeah. Not a good Harry Kim episode. Yeah. Did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? 
kind of related to that, turkey platter is a choice Hmm. made by a writer. So is Captain Ransom. And I think, I think you got to come up with a different name. I think you know Captain Ransom is bad with a name like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, I can't think of a good context for a Ransom note. And if you're a science fiction fan, you know, Burke isn't so much better. I thought you'd be smarter than this. I'm happy to disappoint you. I don't know. I, th- I might reshuffle, you know, on the whiteboard of, of character names. I might shuffle these around a bit so maybe you aren't giving away the ending with Captain Ransom. Yeah, yeah. Is Rambo better? Oh, a lot better. <laughs> he's an innocent man. Tin man. He, he's a victim of his circumstances. He kind of tin manned that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. For a good reason. It seems like he's taken the Equinox hostage and several Slimers. <laughs> And uh, he'll be sending a ransom note in the next episode, which is uh, going to be next week, actually, Adam. Just got a note here from Wendy that uh, we are not allowed to take two and a half months off. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry, I buddy. I booked a lot of travel. <laughs> well, you're going to have to bring a mic and a recording device with you. Sorry. Uh, well, that's too bad. All right. Why don't you head to gach.biz slash game and uh, fire up the game of buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker, and I'll tell you about Season 6, Episode 1, Equinox, Part 2. Starfleet honor is tested when two captains fight a battle of wills. I love Captain V. Captain. Yeah. That's the good shit right there. Yeah, that's that hot shit. Making you bounce. Ben, I've gone to gach.biz slash game. I've consulted with the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker. I have noticed that our runabout is on square 26. Hmm. Couple squares ahead. The naked now bathtub episode. A square that shouldn't exist. Hmm. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. There's nothing else that I could hit. They're just normal episodes outside of that. I'm going to roll the die. Okay. Ben, I've rolled a one. Oh, boy. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. How much I like rolling ones. Yeah, you love those. (laughs) Unfortunately, still puts the fucking bathtub square in front of us. I want that thing behind us. Uh I want it so far behind us, I never see it again. Okay. Maybe we can work with uh, Philippe, Craig, and Andrew on how we can swap that out Mm. with literally anything. (laughs) But for now, Square 27 is a regular old episode, so we come back at you with the season premiere of Season 6 of Star Trek Voyager next week. Well, I'm excited about that. Can't wait. Looking at uh, at some of these uh, thumbnails for Season 6, very exciting stuff. Big shit happens in season six. I'm excited. Hey, you remember this episode? No. I think Ransom's going down with the ship. Wow. I think he's going to die. He's never getting back off that bridge is what you're saying. How fun would it be if we got an entire season with another ship? Like Voyager and Equinox getting into adventures. That would be really cool. That'd be great. Spoiler alert, that doesn't happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, Ben, I already bet kind of a lot on that happening. Ooh, um, well. Oh, no. We got a lot of folks to thank here, Adam. Of course, the great friends of DeSoto who support our show every week by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Getting access to all of our bonus episodes that we put out every month. Like this month's bonus episode. A fresh episode of the Santa Monica Mountains podcast? Yeah, a lot of fun. What could be better? I can't think of anything. Yeah, speaking of gambling. Snake eyes. Of course, our producer, Wendy Pretty, who uh, edits this show and uh, keeps the schedule and keeps us on track, keeps us on our toes. I'm going to have to ask her to loosen the handcuffs connecting me to the microphone, though. Mm. Mm. Starting to cut off a little circulation. Yeah. I'm also getting a note from her that we're not allowed to take the bathtub square off of the game of buttholes. How about new? Hmm. Hmm. Don't like that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, um, got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs the social medias at Greatest Track on any worthwhile social media platform or a couple of unworthwhile social media platforms. Bill Tilly in a prison of his own, really. Yeah. Aren't, yeah. aren't we all? Yeah, but the friends of DeSoto on the internet are so cool. They don't ever... Yeah give Bill a bunch of bullshit to deal with. He's never getting guffed. That's that's what makes that job so great. We really appreciate that about Friends of DeSoto, who use the hashtag GreatestGen to talk about the show and go on DrunkShimoda.com's Discord server or join FriendsOfDeSoto.social on Mastodon. All of these great communities exist in a way that, uh, I mean... Every time I think about that, I just feel so lucky that our show is blessed with such a wonderful community. Like the, it's really the folks that listen that make this the special thing that it is. Absolutely. It's very little of us and a whole lot of them. And a little bit of Adam Ragusea, who makes our theme music. Oh, yeah, that guy's great. Has his own podcast, the Adam Ragusea podcast, and his own YouTube cooking show. Would it be problematic? If I did my own podcast and it was the Adam Pranica podcast, like, would Adam Ragusea be upset with that? Because it's, yeah. it's too close to the name of his show? I think that's Stolen Valor. Yeah. You can't Shit. All right. I'll come up with something else. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager in which Uxbridge Shimoda honor is tested when two... Star Trek podcasters fight a battle of wills. It's will versus will. Yeah. Like uh, that episode of TNG with the oh yeah the Riker Bros. <laughs> That's what that episode should have been called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super Riker Bros. Make it so. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.